the pressures of everyday life, push the buttons of our inescapable human frailties, it's time to press pause, to be still, to breathe, and to look objectively at what is happening to ourselves and those about us. iHub Radio presents In This Moment with Toby C. Helping people to recover from emotional, physical, and spiritual pain. Now, here's Toby C. Hey, welcome back. It's Toby. And this is our program in this moment. Yes, it's, it's our program, yours and mine. And our program during the next hour is a program about calm. We kind of deviate from the social norms nowadays. Most of the programming out there is, uh, is on-the-run consumption program that's overly stimulated. But this program, our program in this moment, is not going to be that type of a program. We're programming about recovery. In fact, our program is very much about reprogramming. That was a little bit of a slip, but very much about reprogramming our attitude, our spiritual condition. You know, recovery is about calming down. And our program is about recovery. Recovery from what? Well, how about, for starters, recovering from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body? As many of us do, as many of us survivors who come out of the womb, survivalists, end up evolving into anything but a a calm, productive human being. We become survivors and we exist from one stressful moment to the other. And many of us hit our breaking points and we just can't cope with life anymore. And we find ourselves acting out, acting out with drugs, alcohol, acting out with food, sex, some type of extreme behavior. And we just can't seem to find that relief. You know, maybe it's you, maybe it's somebody that you know that just can't seem to break out of this terrible cycle of being the, the victim, being the survivor. You know, no matter how much they try to, to cope with drugs and alcohol or sex or food, no matter how much we try to lean on other people for our relief, we just can't seem to get that peace that we seek. Maybe momentarily we get that little bit of, of joy and peace and excitement and exhilaration, but it's always followed by, by the antithesis of, of, of that type of behavior, which is usually misery and suffering. You know, recovering is about overcoming suffering. And for a lot of us who have exhausted all of our drugs and alcohol and coping mechanisms... And for those of us who have exhausted all of the people that we tried to put the bite on to meet our emotional needs, we, we, many of us are left with one conclusion, that maybe we're suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We are going to be talking about recovery. We are going to about, we're going to talk about overcoming stress and finding this peace and this calm through a spiritual experience. Yeah, we're going to be talking about God and we're going to be talking about other forms. 
or other metaphors for God. We're going to be talking about a higher power or providence or a power greater than ourselves or a higher power. We're going to talk about that today because our subject today is about step two out of the 12-step program and God. And God is very much about step two. In the 12-step program, again, I want to tell you to please, please keep an open mind about recovery. The 12-step method has been around for over 80 years. It is not the only channel, not the only conduit to, to calm and serenity and a God of our understanding, but it has worked for tens of thousands of people over the past 80 years. And I want you to please try to keep an open mind during this hour as we explore step two out of the 12 steps. And step two is came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step two is came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And let me tell you, the 12-step program is a very, very simple program. It's not easy. But it's a three-part program to get from the beginning to the end and finally achieve serenity and recovery. And the first first leg of this three-step journey is to trust God. The other two legs are to clean house. And finally, when you've reached the other side, to help others. But today, we're going to be talking about trusting God. We're going to be talking about the second step. And I'm here to tell you that God is in the open mind. And the open mind precedes the open heart. And the open heart is where we finally start to calm down and we start to take it easy on our fellow man and those about us. And I'm here to tell you, my friend, you know, you're not alone and you don't ever have to be alone again. And I'm here to tell you, my friend, that you or a loved one, they never have to drink or use or act out again, ever. And I'm here to tell you, my friend, that we're all in this together. We're all in this together. And you or your loved one, you can get better regardless of anyone. And that's a quote out of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And we're going to be using the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and its sister publication, the 12 and 12 throughout our program, as a point of reference. And again, our program is not tailored to the alcoholic per se. Our program is tailored to anybody who is suffering from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body and who is overcome with stress and fear and is waking up every morning like it's another episode of Survivor. You know, our program is tailored for you to encourage you to move toward the 12-step method of recovery and to clean house and really find recovery. And let me just share a quick story with you before we get into our program. Uh, 
I was a career newcomer. I could never get this program before I finally calmed down and trusted the process and put my hand on the hand of another man who I called a sponsor and did the 12 steps. But early on in recovery, I remember, God, I had about seven or eight years and I just couldn't get this deal and I pushed away and I thank God I, I got a chance to come back into the program. And this time I really, I, I took it serious. I found a home group. I started attending meetings every morning, 7 a.m., perfect time to start the day. And I remember as I started to, to clear up and heal, I started to share about my, my experience. It's called my testimony. And I remember I only had about maybe 45, 60 days, and I hadn't even, I hadn't even done the steps yet. I had done step one with somebody. I remember some guy after the meeting came up to me his name was Bill. He was a painter. He said, hey, Toby, I was listening to your testimony. God, you got a great message. Would you sponsor me? And I got to tell you, I was, you know, the cat had my tongue. And there was another old timer who was standing near us. And he had seen me struggling years before. And he was just watching us. And my tongue was tied. And I couldn't come up with the answer. His name is Randy. And Randy looked over at me and he said, Toby, say Yes. And I did. I said yes. But I told this person, you know something? I haven't done the 12 steps and I don't feel like I'm qualified to sponsor you. But I'll tell you what we will do. You know, what step you know, are you on? He said, step two. And I said, perfect. I said, why don't we go out and get an egg after the meeting tomorrow and we'll talk about step two. Perfect. I ran home. I didn't know where step two was. I got on the internet and lo and behold, I found that step two was in chapter four, we agnostics, and in appendix to the spiritual experience. I read them and we had a great breakfast the next morning. And it was my first experience actually having some one-on-one -on -one time with a complete stranger doing something called a spiritual exercise. I was actually reading, we were taking turns reading and discussing some real spiritual, timeless, universal wisdom. And it was beautiful. It was We Agnostics, which is chapter four, and appendix two, the spiritual experience. And I mean, it was incredible. And that was the beginning of my journey. It was after that that I finally hooked up with a sponsor and really took this thing serious. And, um, and we met every single day, my sponsor and me, for a couple of hours. And we blew through those, we blew through the 12 steps. And it was deep, and it was intense, and it was thorough, and it was final. And basically what those 12 steps did for me, they really prepared me and put me into fit spiritual condition in order to be helpful to another person cleaning house. But again, before we clean house, we got to trust God. Remember, it's trust God, clean house, help others. This whole thing starts with finally trusting God, finally trusting a power greater than ourselves. That's how it happens. We come into the program, we come into recovery just absolutely beaten down because self-reliance had utterly failed us. But then where do we go? Many of us end up in this place called no man's land. No man's land. Can't go back to the ignorance and the bliss from, from where we came from, but we can't get to the other side. There's only one power. No human power can have relieved our suffering. 
but only God could and would if he were sought. Only a God of your understanding, a higher power, a power greater than yourself, could relieve yours or your loved one's suffering and finally get you to the other side. And that's what we're going to be talking about in our program. We're going to be talking about God. We're going to be talking about step two. And we're going to be talking about a design for living that actually works called the 12-step program. This is Toby C., iHub Radio. In This Moment with Toby C. continues now on iHub Radio. All right. We're talking about some pretty powerful stuff here. We're talking about recovering from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. We're talking about recovering from something that no human power, no drugs, no alcohol, no food, no sex, no rage, no defective relationships with another human being could, could cure us from. We're talking about a condition which only a spiritual experience can help us overcome and conquer. And that spiritual experience, my friend, involves a power greater than yourself, a higher power. And in case you didn't get the memo, the world does not revolve around you. And also in case you didn't get the memo, whether you believe it or not, all your needs are met. You may not have everything you want, but you've got everything you need, my friend. There's a beautiful prayer. It's called the Gratitude Prayer. It used to be down at the ABC Club down in India, California. And it was on the wall and it said, God... If I can't have what I want, please help me to want what I have today, just today. And so many of us, including yours truly, we, let's back up for a minute. Okay, let's, let's talk about the moment we come out of the womb and we enter the life as a survivalist. I've come to learn through the 12-step program that uh, two of our most basic human instinctual needs are the need to be loved and the need to feel secure. And that's how we come out of the womb. And by the way, as we grow and mature and evolve and we take on more responsibilities and we become an adult, many of us never overcome this need to put the bite on other people to meet our needs for love and for security. And it's called an overdependence. It's called an overdependence on people. And I'll tell you, if you get into the program of recovery in the 12-step method, you'll discover that that defective relationships with other human beings was nearly always the immediate cause of all of our woes, including our alcoholism or our drug abuse or misery or whatever you want to call it. Defective relationships with other people. So somehow, healthy relationships with other people is the name of the game. Absolutely. And what I discovered is that when I practice healthier relationships with other people, lo and behold, I'm practicing a healthy relationship with myself. And let's talk about the God factor for a minute. I do have a God of my understanding, and I've had him for a long time. But I'll tell you, 
I never, ever really had the connection to my higher power until I was able to triangulate my relationship through another human being. And there it is. The moment I started to really practice love and tolerance with another human being, I started to open up my heart and my mind to this higher power. And this higher power calmed me down. And I'll tell you what this higher power did. And, you know, I might as well just tell it to you right now. This higher power expelled a demon from me. Yes, I said, this, my higher power and the higher power that I sought out, it expelled a demon from me. It was the demon of self. It was the demon of self-esteem, the demon of pride, the demon of my finances, my demon of ambition, my demon of sexual relations, my demons of emotional security, and my demons of personal relations with other people. They were all demons, and they kept me in misery. And when I finally, finally put my hand in the hand of another man and trusted God and got in and started cleaning house as prescribed in the 12-step method of recovery, lo and behold, something miraculous happened. And I want to share with you out of the 12 and 12 book, it's really kind of interesting. I just discovered this a couple of weeks ago when I was doing some 12-step work with a, um, a friend that I'm helping out. The 12 and 12, it's the sister publication of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And again, don't forget, we're not talking about alcoholism. We're talking about a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body to recover from. I want to read to you three passages from the 12 and 12. All right. Step two. In both cases, we had been asking something for nothing. The fact was we really hadn't cleaned house so that the grace of God could enter us and expel the obsession. The fact was that we really hadn't cleaned house so that the grace of God could enter us and expel the obsession. How interesting. Step five on page 57 says, it seems plain that the grace of God will not enter to expel our destructive obsession until we are willing to try this. It seems plain that the grace of God will not enter to expel our destructive obsessions until we are willing to try this. And then further on in step six, they work against their own deepest instincts. As they are humbled by the terrific beating administered by alcohol, the grace of God can enter them and expel their obsession. As they are humbled by the terrific beating administered by alcohol, the grace of God can, ex can enter them and expel their obsession. What they're talking about, the terrific beating administered by alcohol, is they're talking about being given the gift of desperation. And only when the human being meets and encounters enough suffering do are we given the gift of desperation. For I have read and I have experienced and I have witnessed and I believe that only through great suffering do we achieve something called discipline and we allow God to discipline us. And the discipline leads to obedience. Obedience to what? 
obedience to God's will. And I don't know about you, but for me, obedience to God's will is simply being mindful and careful and nurturing of my relationships that I cultivate with other human beings. Isn't that simple? And as I nurture and cultivate my relationships with other human beings, I enhance my relationship with my God. We're going to get into some passages out of the big book and the 12 and 12 and come back on step two and God. moment, helping to open hearts and minds that allow for the mysterious, powerful, enduring, and proven alternative to destructive behavior. Here is your guide, Toby C. We're talking about step two, and we're talking about God, and we're talking about recovery. That's what we're talking about here today. We're talking about staying calm talking about putting down your your tablet or your iPhone or your handheld device. Talking about just sitting in your seat and just being still for a little bit, which I think is what God wants us to do. Just to sit still, to be still, and to think of Him. And to think of anything and anybody but ourselves. I think that's what God wants us to do. I believe God wants us to move from selfishness into selflessness. Yeah. Let me read you something out of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous in a chapter called We Agnostics, chapter four. And this chapter is all about step two out of the 12-step program. And here it is. Actually, we were fooling ourselves. For deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. It may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things, but in some form or other, it is there. For faith in a power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself. So there it is, gang. All right, we grow up these survivalists and our whole life is just filled with calamity which is turmoil and pomp which is ego and worship of other things and worship of other people of course all these things are going to obscure our image and our idea and our relationship with God. But the beautiful part about the 12-step program, my friend, is if, if you or your loved one clean house, they can go ahead and wipe all those things off the table. The things that are called their truth, 
their reality. There's a big difference between truth and honesty. Honesty is black and white. Honesty is where God is. Truth is our truth. It's our reality. It's our hula hoop. And the beautiful part about cleaning house is for us to go ahead and eliminate or at least push to the side our reality, our truth. And when we wipe off the table all the calamity and turmoil, all the pomp and ego, and all the worship of other things and other people, when you wipe all that stuff off of the surface, guess what's waiting for you? Oh, yeah. Goes on to say that we finally saw that a faith in some kind of God was a part of our makeup just as much as the feeling we have for a friend. Sometimes we had to search fearlessly, but he was there. He was as much a fact as we were. We found the great reality deep down within us. In the last analysis, it is only there that he may be found. And so it is with us. And there it is. The great reality, I love that. And they capitalize great reality in this read in We Agnostics chapter four, the big book. They talk about the great reality. And I've, and I've talked about this on previous shows about the great illusion. The great illusion that uh, we're the master of our own destiny and, and uh, self-reliance is going to be sufficient to get us from point A to point B. You know, let me tell you, this is not the Tony Robbins program. No offense. I'm going to tell you a great story about, uh, about some of these self-help gurus and some of their program. But this is, this is a program of not self-help. This is a program of seeking help and reliance and trust in a higher power. And again, the way we do that is we triangulate this relationship with this higher power through how we interact with other people. And by the way, as we heal and calm down and nurture better relationships with other people, it is a surefire way to nurture and cultivate a healthier and more loving and closer relationship with a God of our understanding. That is the tenet of the 12-step method, that no human power could have relieved our suffering, but that only God could and would if he were sought. I'll go on to say, and we're going to go ahead and, and read a couple of passages out of the spiritual experience in the back of the big book, but I'm here to tell you that not only is the 12-step method and this 12-step program God-centered, and, and not only do we believe that God could and would relieve our suffering if he were sought, but this is a program where people demonstrate and have testimony about how God has done something for them that they could not possibly have accomplished themselves. And by the way, you may have heard this before, that you cannot do this alone, but only you alone can do this. This is about making a commitment to participate in a fellowship and to plug into this energy, this higher power, this benevolent, miraculous, powerful energy that's in this group called the kinship of common suffering. When you get a group of people and their focus, if it's just for that one hour, and their focus is on recovering and healing and getting better, the 
the love and the energy that happens in that room is just, it's phenomenal. And it's called God consciousness. And God consciousness, another form or another term for God consciousness is a God shot. Many of us have had a God shot, but maybe we didn't realize that maybe it was the presence of God that was acting in our lives. I want to read you something very powerful. Um, And again, the spiritual experience is Appendix 2, and the pages are very simple to remember in the fourth edition of the big books. It's 567, page 567. And I want to read you this very powerful paragraph. Check this out. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded, now listen, that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. What they're talking about is acquiring an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness. And I believe in my experience was that I acquired this God consciousness when I cleaned house. When I cleaned house and took inventories in the presence of another person that I called my sponsor, I was able to move to the side all of the turmoil and the calamity, all of the pomp and the ego, all of the worship of other things and other people, And guess what was waiting for me? The God of my understanding, a higher power. And it was called God consciousness. And the moment that I experienced that God consciousness, my friends, I had an immediate and overwhelming change in my attitude, also known as my feeling and outlook. And it was incredible. And it happened, again, when when I was working with Bill F., just, just, eating an egg and drinking coffee and taking turns reading chapter four, We Agnostics. It was such a powerful experience because I did, even though we were in this restaurant and we were in some booth, I felt the presence of God because I knew we were doing the right thing. We were getting out of ourselves momentarily. The spiritual experience, you know, it's only a page and a half. What a powerful read. I'll tell you, one of the most encouraging few sentences in this page and a half is tailored for the newcomer. You know, the newcomer has to know that they can get this thing, especially if you're a newcomer that went through the hell that I went through. As a career newcomer, I could never get this thing. I wanted to know when was I going to get this thing. And I wish somebody would have said, Toby, you're going to get this thing when you quit trying to practice self-discipline. Listen to this from page 567, quote, quite often friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. I can't think of, there's only a few passages in, in the big book that I think are extremely encouraging to the newcomer. And I think the fact that anybody can get this thing within a few months 
You can accomplish in a very short period what years of beating your head against a wall could not accomplish, for self-reliance had utterly failed us. For we were not only bankrupt idealists, but we are failed perfectionists. And now the beauty about cleaning house and surrendering and trusting God is about going with the flow. It's about, it's about experiencing something called an intuitive thought. Somewhere I read, and I definitely believe that if you clean house and trust God and calm down, you will acquire and develop a sixth sense. You will become so chill and so calm that you'll, you'll almost feel like you can read people's minds. It's incredible. It's called God's grace is what it is. It's called God's grace. And once you clean house, you're going to feel as though you've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. You know, your whole attitude toward addiction is going to be completely removed or is going to be changed and then it will be removed. It will be expelled. It will be cast out from you. That's the miracle of it. You will not be fighting it, nor will you be avoiding temptation. You will feel as though you've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. And that's called God consciousness. To have this comfort that you know deep down inside, you know, God's got your back. I'm here to tell you, my friend, that God would not have kept you or your loved one along this long if he didn't have a plan for you. I can also explain to you why he made you suffer so much during this period. While he didn't take your life, he made you suffer. He made you suffer because he wanted you to know that God wants to be first. And we're going to talk about humility in some other program, but humility is simply putting God first. One of my favorite quotes out of the 12 and 12 and in step seven, the chapter on step seven, it says, by refusing to place God first, we deprived ourselves of his help. This whole program, the whole 12-step program, this whole design for living that actually works is about taking us out of first position. It's about putting God in the first position. I don't know about you. I don't believe that God, I'm not God's co-pilot. God is my father and I am his child. And, and it's very difficult for me to put my hand in the hand of God and to have this kind of faith when I'm terrified with stress, you know, and the human ailments of, of life on life's terms. But that's the beauty of the 12-step program. It is a design for living that actually works. It's a design for living that actually works because it is God-centered and it is not self-centered. It's not God centered. It's not self-centered. It's God-centered. Selfishness, self-centeredness, we think is the root of our troubles. Not God-centered. It's self-centeredness. When we're self-centered, 
and selfish were driven by a hundred forms of fear and self-delusion and self-seeking and self-pity. You know what happens when we're selfish and self-centered? We step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Even though we were trying to do something nice, you know, sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past, we have made decisions based on self, not God, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. And there's the deal. That's the deal. I mean, it is such a simple program. But I'll tell you, if you have a, a lifetime like I do, a place in me first, the God particle comes, comes difficult, but it's not impossible. When we return, I'm going to give you a couple of little tricks to try to put and keep God first in your daily life and to finally get to the other side in the end where recovery and peace and sanity await you, my friend. Stand by. We'll be right back. stimulation. You've arrived in a safe and calming space. This is In This Moment with Toby C. on iHub Radio. Well, we're just finishing up our program on probably the most critical cornerstone of recovery, and it's, it's faith in a higher power. It's belief in a power greater than ourselves. Some people call it God. Some people call it Yahweh, Allah. Hari, whatever you want, but just don't call it yourself because self gets us in a lot of trouble. Actually, some of us can pull some pretty miraculous feats. You know, we can pull some incredible stuff off when we're under the influence of self. But for most of us, we crash and burn when, uh, when the the great reality comes, comes to a head and God is always going to be there waiting for us. He's always going to be there waiting for us. Again, God is an open mind and I want you to try to practice keeping an open mind. An open mind leads to an open heart. And an open mind is about the imagination and so much of what's going to happen to you is going to be based on your imagination. And I want you to imagine something for a minute. I want you to imagine that you or your loved one that are just in this endless revolving door of rehab, rehab centers and hospitals and recovery centers and sober living. I want you to use your imagination that this could be the very last time you ever have to do this. I want you to imagine that you're going to put your hand in the hand of another man or woman and that you're going to trust God and you're going to clean house. I want you to imagine that you're going to find such peace and such calm that you're going to be incredibly spiritually fit. And I want you to imagine that this spiritual fitness that you're going to achieve is going to be channeled in a way that it's going to be useful and helpful to another suffering human being. And I want you to imagine 
that this benevolent act of love, unconditional love toward another human being is your way, is our way of honoring our relationship with our higher power. And that's precisely what we do in recovery when we clean house. You know, God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. Here it comes. See to it that your relationship with him is right. And great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. The great fact. It's kind of like the great reality. Anything but the the big illusion. But it's all about the imagination, you know? And perhaps the trouble was not that we used our imagination. Perhaps up until this point, my friend, perhaps the real trouble was our almost total inability to point our imagination toward the right objectives. There it is. And recovery is about helping you and me and another suffering man or woman to be able to point our imagination toward the right objectives. And it only happens in the present moment, my friend, to be still and to be at peace and to let your mind open up. And you can't open up this mind and this heart if you're pissed off and angry about your past. And you can't open up your mind and your heart and allow God's grace to enter you if you're paralyzed with fear and anxiety about what is to come. To be still in the present moment is the name of the game. To fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and those about us. And, you know, I often share this in my home group meeting that, you know, AA and recovery is not my life. I go to a home group meeting for one hour a day and, and the other 23 hours of the day are a crapshoot. But I got to tell you, they are much calmer and smooth because I did first things first. I tried to put God and the company and companionship of other people first. And if I try to put God and other people first, the whole day just smooths out. It's called the God particle, the God factor. It's called recovery in the 12-step program. Anyway, thank you so much for joining me this past hour. And I hope you got something out of our, out of our important discussion on, on the 12 steps, most importantly, step two, and the God particle. And as always, I'm Toby C., And I love you. And if I didn't love you, I wouldn't be spending this hour with you on our program. And it's yours and my program. It's called In This Moment. And I want you, my friend, to please be still and be at peace and know that God loves you. He wouldn't have kept you alive this long if he didn't love you. Now calm down and go out and try to love another person and triangulate your relationship with God through another man or woman today. God bless and take care.